Hello and welcome to the June 12th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast, and it is wonderful to have everybody here with me today, and of course, it's great to be out there with you. So today, I think I'm going to quote-unquote jump right into things. Uh, I have a lot to say in terms of a particular podcast that I just downloaded and just happened to listen to. And uh, some of you who out there who uh, listen to mental illness, mental health podcasts will probably be familiar, who will sometimes produce a show together, and more often than not, because they have their own shows, will produce a show alone. And that happens to be uh, Becky from Borderline, Bipolar, Beautiful. I probably got that order wrong in terms of her show. I apologize. Just thinking off the cuff here. And then we got Johnny Emotions, who uh, also produces a new show called The Jay Lilly Show. And these are two people that are a significant part as to why I started podcasting in the first place. I have mentioned in the past that Bipolar Bob was uh, first and foremost the initial reason as to why I got into this. Uh, And obviously because I needed a platform to help others, because for the most part, it's what I've done my entire life, but never had an an opportunity to do it to a huge audience. So Bipolar Bob gave me that um, motivation to go ahead and do so, and then shortly thereafter, I discovered uh, John Emotions and Becky from her podcast, One, one of the only, if not the only, female or current female podcasters that speaks about mental illness right now. So I downloaded their latest episode, and as always, incredibly enjoyable. I I have gone on Twitter and I've spoken to Becky personally in regards to some of my thoughts about their podcast and about their ability to speak to their audience, which again happens to be very similar to mine. And let me start by saying that Johnny Emotions is, I mean, this is a man that, uh, I don't know his exact history. I do know his history in terms of some of the abandonment that he uh, went through throughout his life. Um, I've listened to most of, if not all of his podcasts. And then um, I, I listen to his voice and I say to myself, This is a man that has a voice for radio. This is a man that has a demeanor about himself that is like no other. And I'm not sure if he understands it. I'm not sure if he recognizes it. And and odds are he probably does not based on the most recent podcast between the two of them in which they discuss some of the characteristics or comparisons of bipolar 
disorder and borderline personality disorder. And then we move on to Becky. Becky, who I've been very vocal about, not only with my interview, that she was so gracious enough to have me on her episode, uh, not only the many times that I've reached out to her personally, but as well as the uh, multiple times that I've mentioned on Twitter, she has a voice of an angel. Her information is always heartwarming, always intelligently conveyed to her audience, always um, informational uh, and just downright pleasurable to listen to. She has that soothing voice. So I downloaded the latest episode and I believe it was episode 30. I probably should have took notes on this. (laughs) And it was interesting because halfway through the podcast, I had recognized that at some point the two of them had, and I believe it was Johnny Emotions, had uh, given a little piece of this podcast. So some of it sounded familiar to me. Much of it, though, was relatively new content. And if you have not heard the two of them, right, you know, as of now that I'm speaking, I advise you to go out there. We got bipolar style and we have borderline bipolar and beautiful or beautiful bipolar borderline. I don't know the order. I apologize, Becky. So I put my audience on pause because I had to look. I just couldn't help myself. And this is part of the problem with bipolar disorder. And this is nothing against Becky at all. I I just can't remember things. So it's actually that B word, and that I did definitely know because it's actually her Twitter handle as well. Uh, It's Bipolar, Borderline, and Beautiful. And both of them have podcasts. And again, Johnny Emotions has his Bipolar Style podcast, his Jay Lilly show, and where he actually speaks about just kind of random topics that kind of go off on, um, really no holds barred, so to speak, not specifically mental illness. And all all shows are great. So I advise you or I suggest that if you have not downloaded or listened to their two shows or their three shows, I, I ask that you do. Go there and download. They have not asked me for this um, advertisement. They have not asked me to discuss their podcast in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, they don't know I'm doing this. I hope they're not offended by it because I am going to analyze it. I'm going to break it down a little bit. And I'm going to do it in a way where uh, it has very little to do with them personally. But it has rung a bell in my head that I don't know if it's disturbing. I don't know if it's uh, awakening. I don't know if it's something that I've learned about myself through just listening to them. Because what I will say to you is in listening to this latest episode that Becky has posted on her website um, and, and is available for download, I've gotten more information from this 45-minute, 50-minute, hour-long podcast than I have from any doctor, any physician, any mental health expert, probably in my entire life. And I say this because there is no better teacher when it comes to mental illness than the people who are wackadoos ourself. And I know this, I am a certified wackadoo. I go out on a limb and I say it. You all know how I feel about myself. And that leads me into believing that there is a slight possibility that I am also a, a sufferer or a person who, if not has a touch of, may also have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. The fact that I do think I'm a wackadoo 
probably speaks volumes because I have to tell you, I did an earlier podcast very, very uh, early on in my podcasting days when I had first had an incident with, with my mother. And I describe what goes on with my mother's behavior, and then I go on to do more of a technical slash clinical description of what borderline personality disorder is. I go through the DSM-5. That is part of the therapist, clinician in me, behavioral analyst. That is what I do. That is who I am. And oftentimes I will do my best to educate people from a clinical standpoint. I try not to use such big words because it really doesn't sit well with people. I'd rather just give it to him straight. Uh, but in that particular podcast episode, I went through the symptoms. I went through the characteristics. I went through the diagnostic criteria of what it takes to be borderline personality disorder and basically pointed out all the matches that sat right with the characteristics in terms of my mother. When in actuality, little did I know, little did I recognize the fact that and I hate to use this cliche, I hate to use this phrase, but the apple certainly does not fall far from the tree. And without a doubt, after listening to Johnny Emotions and Becky, there is no doubt in my mind that, number one, they hit right, they hit the nail right on the head in terms of borderline personality disorder being a learned behavior. There is no doubt in my mind that, that I learned that particular behavior. And it's something that cannot necessarily be controlled with medication, although I will get into my own symptoms in a moment, um, because I do feel like, and, and again, I don't know if this is borderline, I don't know if it falls into the category of such, I do know that now that I am medicated, my symptoms have lessened, because my symptoms of borderline personality disorder were more heightened in a manic state of mind. There is no doubt. That's not to say that I did not, or I do not still, uh, encompass the same borderline personality disorder characteristics that I always have, but I believe that they are somewhat more controlled. As a matter of fact, my mind, which is, again, in a more of a stable place, it allows me to rationalize properly. And I don't know if that is so much of the medication or the fact that the medication has um, brought out more of the behavior analyst in me. You know, I don't talk a whole lot about my profession, but one thing is certain. And, it, and I, I don't know if this is a benefit to mine or if it is um, something that is not helpful. But uh, this is my field. This is what I do for a living. And it's not only autism. I deal with schizophrenia, I deal with borderline personality disorder, I deal with bipolar, anxiety, depression. As a matter of fact, I was just approached yesterday in such an interesting quote-unquote gig that I will be doing. There is a women's gymnastics team, or, or slash Irish dancing, <laughs> I don't even know what they said, but I know they do gymnastics and some kind of Irish step dancing, I don't even know what it really means something along those lines, but I was approached uh, and they found out about me in Mr. Joe's neighborhood and they came to me and they asked if I would speak to 50 women on this particular team because a, a good majority of them right now are suffering from anxiety, a few of them are suffering from depression, 
And many of them are actually engaging in self-injurious behavior. Now, the interesting thing is when I was approached, they have no idea that I, I am engaging, or at least I did engage, in the exact same things. They know me as an autism specialist slash special educator slash behavior analyst slash psychologist, um, things of that nature. So they assume that I know a little bit about those particular things that go on in the mind, on the forefront, and little do they know that I've engaged in that throughout my entire life. So I will be taking that uh, job, uh, that, that honor, because it is an honor to be asked as far as I'm concerned, and we're going to hopefully get through about five sessions of it, which again, I will be public speaking in a gymnasium, speaking to them probably as they're sitting by, uh, in uh, Indian style, listening to me. Um, I believe the age range is 13, which is right around that age of things can get a little haywire. You know, things started up with me in terms of that age, um, maybe a little bit older, but women also do mature a little bit quicker than men in most cases. So again, I don't know if it's a benefit to me, but what I do know is that I've been able to analyze my behavior a lot. And it's very possible that because I am medicated right now, because I am a behavior analyst, and because I will actually take data, and I'm not talking about the mood tracking that I do with my app. I'm talking about significant data in which I graph and which I analyze and I put into perspective, and I'm not going to bore you with all that because that is the one part of my job that many people think is very boring. Um, because I am able to do that, I am to some extent able to control my symptoms or at least, again, analyze my symptoms and do something about it or, as Johnny Emotions so vividly describes, become that chameleon and be able to blend into my environment, blend in socially and become whatever I need to become for that particular situation. Now, I will say this, in listening to their podcast, I do not hate myself. So I don't know if that eliminates me from having a borderline personality disorder. But what I will say to you is that when I am extremely manic, there is no doubt in my mind that I absolutely hate myself. I actually have no control over the way I feel, the disgust, the enraged feeling that I have about my entire well-being, my face, my body, my looks, my personality, my, um, my work ethics, my ability to be a father, my ability to be a husband. Uh, I hate everything about myself. But again, that's usually when I am manic. One thing I will absolutely agree with, and I feel like Becky, and I could be wrong. Here it is again, me analyzing things. Becky, not to say that she doesn't hate herself, but I feel like she tends to lean more on the on the side of thinking everyone hates her. Everyone is out to get her. At least that's what, what I perceived based on the podcast that I heard and the way she kind of jumped in with her line as she, uh, I don't want to say interrupted, but she threw in her two cents when uh, Johnny was explaining the fact that he feels everybody hates him. She made it a point to indicate not only that you feel like that, but you feel like everybody hates you. Well, I could tell you this, that I don't care if I'm medicated, I don't care if I'm unmedicated, 
I will tell you this, that my paranoia and the feeling as which I believe that everybody is out to get me, everybody dislikes me, or I cause hatred within the soul of so many people, uh, unrepairable hatred because of something that I've done or something that I've said, pain that I might have inflicted when really I don't even know if I am now. I don't even know if I am the cause of that pain. I just feel like everybody hates me. And what's interesting is that things, life, can be so awesome sometimes. And I'll feel like it's so awesome. And then all of a sudden, I am in a place where I absolutely just cannot comprehend where I'm at. Johnny Emotions goes on to say something along the lines of, all of a sudden you're surrounded by law enforcement. And I've been there. I've been there where I say, how in the hell did I get myself in this predicament? Everything was just fine. And my mind at that particular moment, everything is racing through my mind and almost like the episode that I described yesterday in terms of the sensory overload. I got thoughts bouncing in and out of my head, the chaos surrounding me um, in, in which I've now planted myself in a situation that, quite frankly, I don't even know how I got there. So what I do know is that throughout my entire life, not just a portion of my life, and again, somewhat controlled, and I think because I am on medication and I previously spent a good vast majority of my life in manic, in mania, there's no doubt that I had severe, severe mania to the point where my uh, nurse practitioner, psychiatrist, happens to think that I went years in which I stayed in a manic state of mind, and I happen to agree with her. There were years where I engaged in behavior that is unfathomable, unexplainable. And for those many years, even if I wasn't in mania, I still portrayed some of the horrible symptoms in which my mother acted. And that happened to be taking somebody under my wing, sharing my entire life with that person, almost in a sense where I felt the need to pull closer to that particular person. And I might have just met that person 15 minutes ago, yet all of a sudden I've I've got that connection and I need to educate them on my life and share every bit of my mental illness and all my struggles in life and my drug addictions and how I overcame them. Meanwhile, I was still snorting cocaine in the bathroom, um, but I felt the need to, to embrace this person, take them under my wing, make them the number one priority in my life. And then when things started to go just a little bit south of what I expected, because they started to quote-unquote hate me, at least that was my perception, I would lash out. I would be angry. I would play games. I would text mean things, but I would then look for attention. I would seek sympathy. I would um, paint a picture of myself to be the victim, mostly all the time. And again, some of those bipolar tendencies would come out in conjunction with the borderline personality disorder, where I would 
um, blame and blame and blame and um, it was your fault, not my fault. And I say to myself, well, which one was it? Was it the bipolar or was it the borderline personality disorder or is it both? Is it both? So I thought it was very interesting that uh, based on this educational slash informational slash phenomenal podcast that was produced by these two um, acquaintances of mine who I have to say, Johnny and I actually connected at one point on Twitter and we had discussed possibly uh, getting together and I'm going to put myself out there. Just and and I know this. You know, there is no doubt in my mind that nothing that I do will those two hold against me. They get it. They know it. Um, we had spoken about it and kind of just went away. And I can't even uh, I can't even comment on whether it was my fault, his fault. Mostly, I could probably go out on a limb and say it was my fault because I was the one who was supposed to follow up, and I never did. But in the in the grand scheme of things, at the time, I probably said it was his fault because he never followed up on his request. That's how sick in the head we are. But as I can analyze this and think about it now, when I think about how I really was in 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 relative to my entire thought process, I don't want to say I was scared to go on his episode because I certainly have no problem having a conversation with anybody. That is one thing that you will never find with Mr. Joe. I will never be in a position where I will be a la- <laughs> at a at a lack of words, a lack of uh, opinions. That that is never the problem. But there is no doubt. And if I was to summarize how I felt in terms of not following up with being a guest on his show, I probably or most definitely thought that I would be hated. I would be disliked. It would hurt me. Not hurt me personally, but it would hurt me as a figure in terms of my podcasting. And not because he would do it, but because his audience would hate me. Um, so I, I think him and I would connect great. I really do. I think he is, uh, again, he is one of the most incredible voices and in, in probably, although I don't know him personally, one of the most intelligent men that I've heard in a long time. So... Uh, Again, one thing that Becky and Johnny Emotions have done is they have opened my eyes to the fact that there is no doubt that Mr. Joe not only has bipolar disorder, but uh, very well may have borderline personality disorder. And and with that being said, I'm going to change my podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It will no longer be Mr. Joe's bipolar podcast. It will be Mr. Joe's bipolar and borderline, borderline personality disorder podcast. And I'm just kidding with that. But... Um, another thing I wanted to touch upon, and, um, this is, this was supposed to be the main topic of my podcast today, but I, I needed to address that other situation or because I uh, listened on my way into work today, but the main focus of my podcast was going to be speaking about bipolar disorder and exercise. Now, for those of you that don't know, I was a workout freak. It was something that I, I, um, I centered my entire life around. I was very skinny. I was a very skinny, um, super skinny individual growing up, and I've discussed this before. I graduated high school. I was 138 pounds. Some of that had to do with the fact that I was a wrestler, but most of it had to do with the fact that 
I was just skinny. I was skinny. I didn't feel good about myself. My buddies were all big. Um, and before you knew it, at the age of 17 years old, I was pumping steroids into my body and I grew from 138 pounds to 176 pounds overnight. And throughout the course of my life, I went on and off steroids and probably because I was so, um, now that I look, look back on everything, I was so upset, so sickened by my own self-image that that was something that I needed to do in order to make myself feel better because I was hated by everybody, because I was looked upon as this weakling. Um, so I made it a point that I would go to the gym and I would change my body type. And this is something that I did for many, many years on and off. But there was a period in time where I was over-medicated um, and I was suffering from severe depersonalization disorder along with severe depression. None of the medications were working. Depakote, Cymbalta, uh, Seroquel, the, the Lamictal, I was on them all at the same time. And uh, one was just outweighing the other and doing damage that I cannot even describe. This was a period of four years. That is the one time in my life that I also was not working out. Um, and other than that, most recently, it would be the last three years and six months of my life I have not been at a gym because of a neck injury. Well, my neck is better. So yesterday was the day that Mr. Joe was going to go back to the gym. And I will say this, as work came to an ending yesterday, I got off work about 2 o'clock my time. Um, I knew that I was headed to the gym, and I will tell you about 1.45, the anxiety set in. And my heart was pounding. I could not believe that I was once again going to go back to this stage or this this habitual act that I once engaged in in my life, which quite honestly was very good for my mental health. Uh, so I don't know if it was an anxiety of being scared of doing it again or or the excitement, but whatever the case may be, I was anxious as all hell. Uh, when I got to the gym, it had felt like I never left. And I know that sounds strange, but two things in my life that if I was to engage in them after a long layoff, it would probably feel like I never left it, that being the, the gym and taking drugs. <laughs> and that's the God's honest truth. The two of them, no matter how long it's been, when I do them again, it feels like just yesterday. And it's ironic that those are the two things in life that I enjoyed the most. Um, which is quite sad, but again, it never felt like I left, and I had a relatively good workout. I am suffering a whole lot today in terms of my body. I did, uh, I worked out on my chest, and I worked out on my biceps, and I felt good. I felt good doing it, and here's the interesting thing, and here's where I, I say to myself, you want to talk about being a wackadoo. I can't even explain how this happened to me or what takes place, but I will tell you this, that this is the second time that this has gone on in my life in terms of returning to the gym. Again, I discussed four-year layoff. Well, when I went back, the exact same thing happened to me in terms of after my workout. And now what scares me is back in the day when I had that four-year layoff and I went back to the gym, this particular feeling went on for an extended period of time. Most people will, if they overdo it, 
with their exercise or with their weightlifting, especially with bipolar disorder. We have to be extremely careful with how we go about this because sometimes it can actually bring on a manic episode. That is something that many doctors, many textbooks, many um, statistical research will indicate that bipolar mania is sometimes brought on by um, over-exercising. Well, with Mr. Joe, and again, in the past and now with my current layoff, here is what happened to me, and it was so frightening. I left the gym, and of course I felt good, and I have to tell you, right away I was in mania. I have not listened to my music. I've not listened to the hundreds of hundreds of songs, different songs that I have within my phone that I could play over my Bluetooth. It's probably been three and a half years since I put on my music. Well, I got into my car. I felt good. I immediately put on my music and my mind started racing in a manic state of mind. But again, that good mania, uh, I guess I'll call it hypomania in which I will tell you right now. And this is embarrassing, but I'm going to say it. Every song that came on, not only did I, uh, which is not so embarrassing, not only did I attribute it to some portion of my life, most often partying, and a particular song would come on and I would think about what drug I did, what part of my life it was in, how I was partying, where I was at, was I in college, was I in high school, because I listened to a wide variety of music, was I, uh, did I just meet my 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 wife, the one interesting thing is I thought nothing of my ex-wife, no matter how many songs might have come on. Um, it, it never uh, rung a bell with my ex-wife, I'll tell you that right now. But here's where the embarrassing part comes on, or starts. Th- that, I think, is quite normal, uh, relating a song to a past event. But what Mr. Joe starts to do, and it's so scary, is I will start to feel and think as if I am a performer. And I will start to envision myself in a concert-like setting in front of a crowd. And I go into this zone where now all of a sudden I have this ability to either sing or rap in front of people. And I have people in in concert-like environment screaming my name and uh, jamming, (laughs) bopping their heads around, watching Mr. Joe perform on stage. And I almost had to shake my head and say, whoa, what, what in the world am I thinking? And I almost couldn't get myself out of that thought process and put that in conjunction with the fact that it felt so damn good. I felt like I was there. I was literally delusional. I felt like I was there. Now, I could look back on it and realize that I wasn't, but in the moment, I felt like I was there. You probably couldn't tell me that I would not be successful if I was to sing on stage. And my God, I'll tell you right now, while I can rap and I have the ability to freestyle, which is not an easy thing for people to do, I can't sing a note for my life. But yet I was convinced that I would be a superstar. And I think that's extremely frightening now. What goes on after this is just insane because immediately, and again, it might be situational because I did have to embark on another venture out, not as difficult as my last one, in which I had to go look for dress shirts and a tie and try on shoes, and uh, that was relatively easy, and I got through it pretty easy yesterday, but about halfway through... 
I start to get extremely depressed. And here is where it is evidently clear to me that Mr. Joe will always and forever, in terms of my bipolar disorder, be a be a candidate or be one of those individuals with bipolar that absolutely goes through mixed episodes. Rapid cycling, mixed episodes, that is my official diagnosis. And there is no doubt in my mind that that is what happened yesterday. I went from hypomanic to completely, absolutely depressed to the point where I was actually suicidal. And I wanted to end my life and I thought about ways to do so. And it frightened me to the point where I became quiet. My wife knew that something was wrong. I had a difficult time watching after my son. Um, Something that I enjoy is watching him walk around and play with the toys and running around acting just like a baby, like a child, and having people stare at him and laugh at him and saying hello to him and me uh, saying, you know, say hello, you know, just cute stuff. Things that bring me back to the days when my 14-year-old and my 12-year-old were babies, because I got a baby now and I love it. But I had no ability to look after him. All I could think about was the fact that I was in pain, that I was suicidal, and it was quite frightening. And within a few moments, and I'd say probably about 45 minutes, all of a sudden, I snapped out of it, and I immediately went into a manic mode in which I became extremely overly irritable. I was snapping at my wife. I was mean. I was nasty. I had no patience. I was completely negative about everything. Um, I started bringing up the wedding that we were going to attend. I I started talking about how I don't want to be there. And um, she looked at me and she said, what on God's earth is wrong with you? She said, "If, if this is what the gym is going to do to you, I don't want you going back to the gym. I mean, you've got to work through this. Those are, those are the words that we love to hear. You've got to work through this. Well, I don't know how to work through it. I know that the gym is supposed to be something that is, that is good for your mind, but let me tell you something. After that workout yesterday, clearly it was not good for my mind. Now, thinking back to my last layoff, here's the good thing. It lasted a week or so, and then I snapped out of it, and it was only positive effects on my mind for the most part. Of course, I still suffered from bipolar disorder, but after the gym, after exercise, I always felt good. But it took me at least a week, possibly two weeks, to stop those mixed episodes. And I have to tell you, it's not something I thought about yesterday because I just didn't remember. The only reason why I now recall it is because it happened. So I had absolutely no ability ability to cope while I was in this mixed state of mind. And um, I have to hope and think that it is going to uh, work itself out. I think the fact that I am now eating a bit better, and again, it's not easy, guys. It is not easy. You're talking about a man who for the last three and a half years had no regard to anything I ate. I don't even know what my cholesterol, my triglycerides were. I mean, they were sky high. I'm afraid to go back because there was Mr. Joe like like an animal. Like a, like a large animal sitting in bed watching whatever show it might be with potato chips all over my chest. <laughs> I don't know if you can envision that. Uh, kind of laughing at myself. Um, just shoving stuff in, didn't matter what time of night it was. You know, chips running down my face, crumbs all over me. Not, no regard for the health of myself, for the well-being of myself. Eating whatever I wanted to eat. 
And now, instead of going on a full-fledged diet, what I have done is I have decided to eliminate the nighttime eating completely and wholly. And that was um, something that I started Sunday night in preparation for Monday. So we've gone through Sunday and Monday with no nighttime eating, which is great. I woke up absolutely starving. Um, and I, I certainly, my appetite will certainly be tremendous. So I'm going to have to make that um, appetite something that revolves around some relatively good food, proteins and limit my carbohydrates and yada, yada, yada. All the stuff that, quite honestly, makes me sick when I hear it. <laughs> uh, it's not something that I enjoy doing, but the end result in terms of feeling good about myself is um, eating well and, and working out. And Truthfully, I don't know if it's for my mind. I don't know if it's for my physical appearance. I don't know if it's a combination of both. I really don't know. One thing I do know is that it has changed my life in a way that I have now a routine back, which is something that I think people with bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder need in their lives. I think back to my mother. The one time in which she showed the most stability was the time in which she engaged in walking on a treadmill. She would get up every day, she would walk, and she was a different mom definitely a different mom. And I recall that period in time because it was so distinctly different from the way that she acted her entire life. Which, by the way, I think about my mother and her borderline personality disorder, and I would absolutely think that, and I go back to Johnny and Becky, two things that I know my mother had dealt with was one, abandonment by her own mother. Her father had died, my grandfather, well, at the age of nine, she was nine years old, she lost her dad, and, and respectively, she lost her mother, in essence, because her mother, quote-unquote, became a slut, left her alone, went out, I hate to use those words, but that was my mother's words, and basically left my uncle and my mother alone to fend for themselves, and um, my uncle kind of acted a little nutty, whereas my mother just kind of um, had to just take care of herself and her older brother, and thank goodness she had my great-grandmother to kind of help her through, but she was not only abandoned by my grandmother, who, by the way, also had a severe mental illness, but I do know this, that my mother was molested as well from my uncle. Um, and I don't know what that makes him to her, or maybe her uncle. I don't know. All I know is I called him uncle. And my God, when I tell you that his funeral, which we all attended, it was bittersweet because I know that he had tried to do something to my sister as well, my cousins. And um, while we were all there to pay our respects, deep down inside, we had known what this man had done. So it was very interesting, very interesting funeral to say the least, but I know I'm going off on a tangent here, so I will stop myself. So I got that routine back. I feel good about myself, and I hope that well, I feel good about myself now. Certainly afterwards, it was not a good feeling. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If you are engaging in exercise, if you are bipolar, or even if you have borderline personality disorder, but more, more, um, more geared towards the bipolar aspect in which our moods tend to fluctuate. Be very careful with uh, the exercise that you engage in, the amount of energy that you utilize. Quite frankly, the time of day would probably play into it as well. I refuse to exercise at night because God only knows what will happen to me. I'll probably be up for days uh, so I won't even dare try that. But 
Um, there is no doubt that if you are going to engage in some kind of exercise, some kind of workout routine, that we have to be very careful, whether we're medicated or clearly, whether we're medicated or unmedicated, it doesn't really make a difference. Uh, still can affect you, possibly affect you more if you're unmedicated, but certainly still affects you even if you are on medicine. Um, the other good thing that I wanted to make mention of is I'm basically done with Suboxone. And I, I know this, that it is all mental right now. I could not even, I, I think I mentioned to everybody that it's the size of a period mark in a sentence. I don't even think it's doing anything for me, but it's psychological at this point. I feel like I have to take it every morning. Uh, what I will say is that there have been several mornings in which I've gotten up and I started doing things. And even though it's right at my bedside, I've decided that I don't need it. And then all of a sudden I plant this stuff in my head that I'm not moving fast enough. And I go back to my bedside and I pop it in my mouth. There was one morning that I even forgot to take it. So if that's not indicative of the fact that I really don't need this medication anymore, um, it's a good thing. I have weaned myself off slowly um, down to the nitty-gritty, so to speak, of the Suboxone. And I think this gym-slash-exercise routine that I now engage in will help my mind even more so in terms of uh, potential depression that I might suffer from when I pull this Suboxone away from me completely. Um, but, you know, to some extent, I still am on it, whether it's a period mark, whether it's an exclamation mark, whether it's a little strip, whatever it may be. Um, I'm still on it, and I'm still using it, and even if it is this little amount, I will tell you this, there is no doubt that it keeps me sober, it keeps me clean, it stops me from drinking, thinking about drugs and drinking, and although I will say, that car ride home yesterday after the gym, I'm telling you right now, if if... If I knew that it was not going to, I don't even know how to describe it. All I knew is if I had a drug dealer, there is a real potential possibility that I would have been turning right instead of left. Left-hand turns to go home, right-hand turns to go see a drug dealer. I would have turned right. So I have to be very careful, very, very careful. Now, I didn't do it, so I'm proud of that. Um, I fought through it, but we have to be careful because, again, here we are talking about exercise, gym, things that are healthy, supposed to be healthy for your body and your mind, yet now you want to go and do drugs? And that goes to show you because when I am manic, those are the times where I want to engage in substance abuse. So it makes sense that I am in a heightened state of mind, hypomanic. I just want to feel better, and I think to myself that doing drugs will make me feel better. But I promise you this. There'll be no drugs, and I've promised many, many times in my life. <laughs> How many times do we promise, I'm never doing this again? It starts out when we're little kids, and we dr drink, and we throw Well, not little kids. Well, for me, it was little. <laughs> but um, we drink, we throw up, and we say, never again. The room is spinning. We feel sick for days, and we say, never again am I doing this. And then we get addicted to a drug, whether it be cocaine or opiates, and never again. I could stop any time. Well... I'll go out on a limb and say it'll be never again. It's been many, many years of sobriety for me. So odds are that I won't do it. The one thing that I'm going to have to be extremely careful about is anabolic steroids. Um, and, and working through this and saying to myself that I want to do this naturally. I want to do this safely because let me tell you right now. I take anabolic steroids 
and you might as well forget entirely about my medication. It will throw me off. You're talking about increasing your testosterone to a level that is just completely unexplainable and it will destroy me. So uh, I've got to keep my reminding myself about that. And um, as long as I do that, I think that I will be okay. Keep doing this podcast, keep speaking to my audience out there. And hopefully, Mr. Joe will stay on the right path. If you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask you to please keep working hard. Very important. If you love somebody, you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person in whatever way that you know how or you think is appropriate. And if you are struggling with a mental illness, as hard as it might be, I ask you to keep battling and most importantly, to soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Have a great day, and I'll see you again real soon.